Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 222. Ooh, Too Fast, Too Forever, Too... In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale from 2007. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode is brought to you by King Brothers Dairy. King Brothers Dairy is a family-run dairy farm in the small town of Schulerville, New York, situated a few miles northeast of Saratoga Springs in the beautiful Hudson River Valley. Shout out to King Brothers Dairy Farm. Well, shout out to King Brothers Dairy and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. Also, shout out to Justin Kleiman because after the break, we'll be talking about his patron pick for this year in the name of the king. Can you imagine? I mean, I guess this is for last year. It's 2021. What? Can you imagine paying us $10 a month and being like, I want them to watch this movie? I mean, (laughs) I guess that's the reward you get, but you know. It was a movie. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something that you can watch. And now you understand what I was saying last night when we recorded our bonus episode of, like, can you imagine a more diametrically opposed series of two movies between this and The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, right? So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. They're both films. You can watch them both in the same place. (laughs) I did watch them both on my television. I did. Joe, extracurricular activities, aside from recording our bonus episode, now available on patreon.com slash twofast2forever or twofast2forever.com. What have you been up to in the last week? We went to go visit uh, Rachel's parents this weekend. Um, got to spend some time with them. That was cool because we haven't seen them since Thanksgiving, I think. You were going to do New Year's, but then New Year's there was like COVID-y. And so we just, not not them covid but like just covid in yes. general. So you just bailed on that. Exactly. Um, got tested. I was all clean. Went to go see them. So hung out with them this weekend, which is always a good time. Watch a ton of football. It is officially hockey season now. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't dwell on it, but it was like such a good weekend for the family's teams. Like the Bucks won for Nick, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the Niners won for Wells and for you know whoever else. We have the Niners fans and like Rachel's stepdad is a big. Uh, he grew up in uh, upstate New York, so he's a big Bills fan. So the Bills smoked the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty much down the line, it was there was a lot of blowouts. It was fun to watch, and um, the Pat McAfee show picked. Same game parlays for this weekend, okay? Where like they pick like you know players for this stats. past weekend or for this upcoming weekend? For this past weekend, and yeah. I wasn't here, so I asked my friend like, "Yo, put me on those, right?" There was one they had for the Bucks game. It was Bucks to win by two and a half, Gronk to score a touchdown, Mike Evans to score a touchdown, and then Scotty Miller to get nine yards receiving in the first quarter. Scotty Miller caught a pass. He went for about eight and a half yards, got a bad spot. It got spotted to eight. Okay. He never caught another pass the rest of the game. It was like a plus 1,000 parlay. It was so bad that FanDuel refunded everyone on Monday that, like, that had taken it because they were like, they were like, hey, look, look, look. Just because, you know, in the spirit of the weekend, it was Super Wild Card weekend, we're going to give you guys this one back. Point Did FanDuel do anything about the end of the Cowboys game or no? I mean, now the Cowboys kind of messed that up no, themselves, but there's no, also no. the, you know, extracurricular activities there as well. No, no, they didn't do anything about that. It was specifically Scotty Miller getting one catch for eight and a half yards that got spotted for eight instead of nine. Gotcha. But okay. That was like the only thing. But yeah, it was, it's always cool when they do that. I um, have experienced, like been through an experience with them like that before that they like are like, look, sorry guys, you know, this one really sucked, so... Yeah, that's cool. 
Yep. Upstanding loan sharks. Not loan sharks, but loan sharks, kind of. Yeah, exactly. You know. Anything else of note or no? Um, No, then just watching movies with you guys. And um, we watched Encanto with Rachel's parents this weekend. Had you I seen it before or is this the first time? First time to see it. Um, I found it, like, all right. I didn't think it was that great. It was good, but it was, like, I think the music was lacking for me. Like, it oh, didn't have, like, well, a... you're the only person on the planet who thinks that. Yeah. You that's... know, because, like, it's number, it's literally number one on Billboard. Like, it's <laughs> that's like... what Rachel was saying. I was like, hey, I don't think that there's, like, a banger in this thing. She was like, yeah, tell that to, like, iTunes, right? Like, Well, the weird thing about the mu- the music with that one is that the song that they sent for the Oscars is not the number one. Like, they sent one, and I think, like, we, we don't talk about Bruno is, like, the big – I don't – like, it's one way or the other. Like, the song that they yes. chose to do, like, the Academy, like, the shortlist of the Academy Award or whatever – is not the one that people care about. So it's an interesting kind of dynamic. But yeah, that that is like the number one album in the world right now. So Yeah, I know. Just did did not work for me. But other than that, yeah, that's it. How about you? What have you been up to? I did not go see any movies in theaters this week. I did win my $5 bet with Scream, which was exciting. I talked about last week because it made a ton of money at the box office. I did not see Scream yet, but I will see it. I'll probably see it later this year because that horror podcast, horror movie podcast that I've been listening to and watching along the Friday the 13th and Halloween movies. They're doing Scream now. So when I get to that later this year, I'll just watch it then, I think, probably. So I'll get to that then. I did watch the new Tragedy of Macbeth movie on Apple TV+, Plus, which is the Coen Brothers, one of the Coen Brothers. I think it was Joel Coen directed it, I want to say. Was it Joel or was it Ethan? It was Joel. Uh, Really good with Denzel as Macbeth and Frances McDormand as Lady Macbeth. That's very good. That's on Apple TV+, Plus right now. Uh, anything else of movie note? I rewatched the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is great. Maybe my favorite Wes oh. Anderson movie. Yeah, why, movie. why did you rewatch it? Just for funsies? So my friend who I watched The X-Files with, my friend Real, every three or four years watches all of Wes Anderson's movies, like at like a seasonally appropriate time of year. And so he's doing it again this year. So me and Bob are watching along with him, you know, remotely. Early in the year, winter months, we did Grand Budapest, so I don't remember what's up next, but you know, it's only got like eight or nine movies, and so over the course of a year, it's not too bad, but yeah, we just did Grand Budapest for that, so it was, you know, it was great. Do you watch them all at once, or do you watch each one in its own themed time, like you said? So no, like, e- each in its own theme time. Hold on, let's see here. I can find out. So like in spring, you would do like Moonrise Kingdom, or summer, you do Moonrise Kingdom. So here's here's what he calls a year with Wes Anderson. So next will be Isle of Dogs, when the Sakuras bloom in Japan. That's in March. And then okay. Darjeeling in late winter, spring, so like April-ish sometime. French Dispatch, the brand new one. I don't know what VE day is in France, but he wants to watch it then, so I'm like, sure, whatever. Moonrise kicks off summer. Bottle Rocket in midsummer. Life Aquatic at the end of summer. Rushmore for Back to School. Fantastic Mr. Fox for Thanksgiving. And then Tenenbaum at the end of the year between Christmas and New Year's. So some specific, some kind of loosey-goosey time frames. But if you want to watch along a year with Wes Anderson, there you go. Just listen back. But we started with Grand Budapest, which is... I need to see, because I've only seen some of these once, but I, th- I think Grand Budapest might be my favorite one of his, but, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. Um, was there anything else that I wanted to say? I started watching Yellow Jackets. I'm two episodes in. It's pretty good. Ooh, my sister's been talking about it. Yeah? You like it? I do like it. I want to see more of it. And then Bob and I are going to watch, because we watched I Know What You Did Last Summer remotely, because when he comes over to record a Lottery Pod episode, we like either like watch a little TV or whatever just in between recording. And so we were watching that show on Amazon. We finished that 
pretty dumb finale. Uh, we started Station Eleven as well on HBO. I don't know what that is. That is the pandemic show that just ended that people were like raving about. Like that's definitely in the zeitgeist right now. That was the HBO Max series that just ended. So that pilot was really, really good. Yellow Jackets was good. Yellow Jackets has what a lot of buzz about? around it. What, Yellow Jackets or Station Eleven? Yellow Jackets. So Yellow Jackets is a high school soccer team. Shout out to Ryan, late night slumber party Rodriguez. Okay. And they are about to, and it's in New Jersey, which is very cool. And like there's that like a cool. reporter from the Star Ledger or whatever. He's like, oh, cool. All right. They are going to, I think, the state championship game or something, or maybe nationals or something. Like it's, it's the eve of a big game, and they're flying to this place, and the plane crashes. And oh. so it's sort of survival wilderness, but it's also it's told in two timelines. So like that's in 1999, and there's also modern day where like some of the girls are grown up. So it's like, you know, not seeing someone doesn't mean that they necessarily died or whatever. But it's kind of like like the the pilot ends the the first episode ends with the plane crash in the 1999 timeline. Um, okay, not, that's not really a spoiler because like that's what the show is about. Yeah, yeah. And then season two is like them starting to survive, but also modern day stuff as it's going along. But in modern episode day, there's like. Melanie Linsky and Christina Ricci, who are great. Oh, cool, I think yeah. the only one I recognize from the old time is, I don't know if you watched The Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. Did you see that show? I think Rachel would like that no. show a lot if you have not watched that. I think she liked it and watched it, but I don't think I watched it. I didn't the watch it. daughter in that, Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore's daughter in that, is the goalie on the team in 1999. So like, I recognize her and like there's just like, a bunch of other young actresses that I don't really know. But it's good. So that was getting a lot of buzz because I feel like I think it's cool. That, like it was good to have like you know it's it's the the women folk like the women centric story, but also like a good show and like it was on show like it got a lot of buzz given that it was on Showtime. Like I feel like nobody really talks about Showtime, and then like this was just like oh you you were uh, the only one on Showtime for a no while. stars stars is stars my thing. Please. sorry yes Showtime yeah, like people care about like Dexter was on Showtime, but like I don't know yes like, people cared about Showtime this last year, but yeah I started I started uh, Yellow Jackets and Station Eleven just been hanging around with the kittens and chilling they're so. awesome they look super cute i by the way i have a serious bone to pick with you you do not post enough pictures of them i know well it's, it's the thing it's like i don't want to like just run i got a, a cat dad I, I get it but just send them to me if you look through my instagram feed it was like just like movies and stuff and sam for like years because i'm just like i don't like go anywhere like when i do things like i don't like put myself in pictures usually like, i take pictures of the thing so just Same. like concerts yeah. sam art sam movies sam and now it's just kittens or whatever so i will send you pictures i got lots of good here I'll, hold on i'll send you two good ones right now did i tell you Haley got a puppy and it's fucking super cute Haley gerby's yeah no i don't think i don't think so yeah she sent me pictures of it the other day it's just like this really 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 cute puppy that she got Oh, look at that leg. I know. And then where's the other one? Hold on. There's another one I want to show you that I love. I love the sexy leg pose when they, like, pose and stretch one leg out. Oh, she is so cute. And where's the other one? Oh, Reese's. Here we go. Hold on. <laughs> hey. Just sh- they don't talk that much. So for me to catch him, like, Sam used to talk a lot, but for me to catch him mid-shout... Mid was rare so yeah what do they sound like do they squeak or do they oh they got like what? he's got a baby voice and she's got an even babier voice so okay so they'll, she sometimes they'll grow like, into she them. like sings as she like walks around or she's like are you hurt she's like no i'm just like hanging out so <laughs> yeah because like i don't know what they they've only been here for like a week so like i don't know what the sounds they make when they're scared or hurt or just like yeah. chilling so like i'm still like feeling that out it's just yeah. they haven't like it's been fine like they haven't gotten scared or hurt yet they've of been course, very yeah. calm but i still like like every sound because they sound like they're, you know, high-pitched squeals. I'm like, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're good. 
Yeah, because it sounds like maybe you stepped on someone or something. Yeah, yes, I get it. I I did sort of step on her already, and I, he did like run into me full speed. So like you know, it's just it's just part of the cats, right? Like it's just like oh, I didn't know you were lying under that blanket or like <laughs> yep. Every I'm walking time. fast, and you're gonna tear through. It's just like I feel bad, but like they just bounce off, right? So yeah, <laughs> Milo and Pierre, their like favorite favorite game is like, can we cut you off as you're like yeah. walking? And like, and then they trip me because I'm trying not to kick them, but they're cutting me off. And then they like look at you like, "What are you doing, asshole?" And you're like, "You jumped off the couch, ran across the room to just cut me off going into the kitchen for no reason." But yeah, okay. Well, enjoy. Send me more cat pictures. Thank you. I will. I will. I will. So that's that. I think that's all I've been up to. So we have a Patreon page, TooFastTooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party. Ooh. Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Montez. It was good talking to her last night, by the way. Yes. Very exciting. If you if you want to hear Montez, join the Patreon, our Cook, Thief, Wife, Lover episode featuring Montez. Which is a wild-ass movie, too, by the way. Yeah really good so the episode i think was good it was always good to talk to montez and um we talk about a movie that is hard to find but definitely worth the watch so yeah for sure so thank you all for supporting the five dollar a month level or above again if you have not gotten your pick in for this lap or for next year please do so email in or just you know get in touch with us somehow too fast to forever.com for all that stuff we have an email address family at caves we have four things to read things Some- to read Opportune uh, yeah, they're words. not emails. None are actually emails. Um, okay. All right, so we have two YouTube comments. First up, so this is not a negative one. I don't think. Maybe it's snarky, but it's, like, polite in a way. It's from Brian Brown. Ooh, he's actually in a Steelers t-shirt, which is very cool in his little picture. Oh, okay. Comment on the Hollywood Nights, which is another one of the ones where it's like, ooh. Oh, this yeah. Is, you know, oh, actually, speaking of, by the way, another stream of Racer Trash this past weekend. They did Chapter 3 of 4. So I think they have one more stream. I'm guessing it's going to be this weekend. They have not announced it yet. So if you're listening on Patreon, check it out at twitch.tv slash racer slash racer X trash. The reason I bring it up is because they did a two lane blacktop one, which was great. Which I was telling you that has some speed racer in it and also yeah. some Tokyo drift in it. They had two fast and furious beat towns, which are like short little compilations were great. They also did a speed vapor version two. So like when they turned oh. one year old, cause they started with speed vapor which is yeah. on their Vimeo. But then they did a second version when they did like a one year anniversary stream or whatever. And so they showed that too. And that's also really good. So, I mean, they, they care about Speed Racer and that whole world and everything. That's like where the name came from and everything. So uh, yeah, very, very cool. So there's one more of those sometime. So, you know, if you're on the Patreon feed, hopefully you can catch it if you want to catch it. If not, you know, it's available again on Twitch or some Vimeo places or internet archive or whatever, some of their stuff, right? So, yeah. but again, Better with other people, better than chat, whatever. Anyway, Hollywood Nights, like Tulane Blacktop, like some of those other movies, trouble spot for the olds on YouTube, right? Yes, it is. Brian just says, it's a shame we cannot watch it here on YouTube. Uh, yeah, it is, Brian. I'm sorry about that. It's not not a shame. It's not. You, you This this was the one of the better of the comments. Like that's, I'm like, it might be him just being like, what a waste of a video in like a polite way, but at least he was polite about it, right? So... Yeah, no, you know? no motor mouths from Brian. We respect you. Thank you, Brian. 
oh, I do call my, I, I've been calling my kittens motor mouth sometimes because, you know, kittens have like really crazy purr. Like they purr like a lot and loudly. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like yeah. little motor mouths. They are little motor I don't know if the purr, does the purr come from the throat? Probably. Has it to. feels like it comes from the throat or the chest. So, you know, it's up through the trachea, I guess. Yeah, I yeah. Motor trachea. Is. But then we have a real YouTube comment from Gamer Sly Ratchet, who comments on, who's commented before on our Spy Racers episodes, and he commented on the Homecoming one we did with Nico and Kev a couple episodes ago. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, and they say, I never really thought about how ableist, this is the point that Kevo made, how ableist the whole deal with Matsuo, Matsuo and Dan was until you pointed it out, and it's a great <laughs> point. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help that they don't really explain why Matsuo's arm makes him evil or why the show kept calling Dan a cyborg when she's really an android. Very different terminology. I agree. I actually, that was a point that I brought up as soon as we finished the episode with Rachel. Like, that was something I was not thinking about. And how wonderful it is to talk to Nico and Kevo because they bring perspectives that, like, just blow right by me a lot of the time. So. Yeah, and I think what was cool and what we talked about on that episode, too, is that, like, they're very in that mindset and look looking for, you know, I don't want to say social justice warriors in, like, a bad way, but, like, they're very, they, they want, they're conscious about that kind of stuff in all things. Yes. And it took them six seasons to get to that point, too, right? So, like, it's yeah, subtle, yeah, yeah. but it's also, you know, still troubling, so. I absolutely agree. And, they you know, they were just like, oh, because we were talking about this in X-Men or whatever. It, it's a really good point. I agree. It's just, like, something I had never thought about until then. So thank you, Gamer Sly Ratchet, for echoing that sentiment, bringing that back up. Worth talking about, worth remembering, and worth, you know, factoring into future installments. Agreed. I have something similar-ish to that, which we will get to in a minute. Not that, but similar, where I'm just like, oh boy, but it's also just in three. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. So then, so here's like a minor update. It's not a big update, but we put on Patreon. This is what I, I don't think you... I, no, actually, we did talk to you about this. I don't think you... like. You haven't told me the resolution of it. Yes, go ahead. It's, in this, it's inconclusive. Like, that's uh, basically obviously. what it is. So yeah. I put up a poll on Patreon for our patrons because, like, what kind of episodes do you like most? Because, you know, there's basically three different kinds of things. There's episodes with just you and me. There's yep. episodes with guests we found out a bunch, like Brian or Mike or whoever. Yep. And then there's episodes with brand new people that are, generally speaking, the new installments, like the Fast and Furious, like the core 10 movies for those things. And I was like, which of these do you like the most? And we got some really good, helpful feedback. And Justin commented, and this is something that we're actually going to start implementing. I, I did a little bit after the fact on the last episode with Mariah, but I'm going to start in earnest on the next episode, just like giving a little bit of a heads up. And we'll talk about it next week, too, that the interview questions, like the either ors, we're going to like largely skip those or really cut down mm-hmm. on them. because. Makes sense. I felt it in the moment. Like, there's sometimes, it depends on how they're answering, and sometimes it's fun or not, but just people are like, I don't know. And, like, I feel like the character quiz kind of does that, but better, right? Yep. And so the other thing is, you know, I was saying to you that, like, the fun ones, the ones that we love the most were, like, what does food all over the place mean, and what does no niece to niece mean? But, like, we kind of get the same answers now. And that's not, like, a reflection on our guests. It's just, like, we, we kind of t- tap that well. It. Yeah. It makes sense. So we're going to do some of those, and then if we do another lap where the same guest is on for all the movies, we will ask them those questions over the, the course of the nine or ten episodes. But for now, we're going to skip those, move the character quiz up. So a slightly different format. Just going to keep things fresh, because again, we're 200-something episodes into this. If you're still listening, we want to, like, there's comfort in the predictability of this, but also it should be fun and new and fresh, so... Thank you, Justin, for commenting. And if you have thoughts about, you know, constructive – don't be an asshole. But if you have constructive <laughs> criticism, <laughs> email. And if you're like, hey, you know, assholes. I love this, but I think it could be better, email us. We'll, we'll listen to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. This 
unlike the suggestions for our film club, this box will get will get listened to. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sounds great. Never gonna do it. <laughs> it's a, they're just a joke that like we like take suggestions for film club, but we never actually. We've take never suggestions. we've never really said that suggestions are welcome. People just suggest. Oh, that's like, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 right. We've never we've never said suggestions are welcome, so people give them, and we're just like, yeah, wow, looks cool. interesting. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing to read, I asked him to email us in, and he didn't because he is lazy. But Wes messaged us about Tej's Louis Vuitton truck, which we talked about in the last minute, right? So I copied it from Facebook because I'm just like, we got to talk about this. He did not yes. email it in. But says, by the way, I'm listening to the new episode. I don't know the make and model of the Louis Vuitton truck, but I can confirm, I think, from his Entertainment Weekly podcast interview, that truck was made for the movie and Luda bought it afterwards and drove it around Atlanta for a while before he got tired of dealing with how conspicuous it was. So That is really cool, and I'm glad that my guess was uh, close. Yeah, we were saying that either it's Tej is in the movie, or like maybe it's Ludacris's in real life, and it wasn't, but it became his in real life. So yeah, we were just a little. The bit fact off. that it was made for the movie is crazy, but I guess that's Louis Vuitton being like, "Hey, can we just pay you a lot of money to like?" No, put this I don't. It? I don't. I don't think Louis Vuitton had anything to do with it. I think really? that was just yeah. Okay. Don't you remember like of the time, like all the like Dapper Dan stuff no. where there'd be. Okay, you're so, talking to somebody who does not give a shit about cars and definitely didn't give a shit about cars in just three. It wasn't. It's not car culture. It's Who's like hip hop culture. Dapper Dan was like this guy that made like he would make like Louis Vuitton basketballs and stuff. Like he would take like you know gotcha. what I mean. Okay, yep. yep so yep. like in all these like like all these rappers would have like Louis Vuitton like jerseys, but Louis Vuitton never made like basketball jerseys, right? There was like guys that would like find old bags, right? That were like ripped or cut at garage sales, and then like repurpose them into stuff like this. Gotcha. So okay. Because okay. that was of the time, I think that somebody just printed a wrap for a truck that was Louis Vuitton print because that was very cool and in vogue at the time. But it had nothing to do with like I'm sure that Louis Vuitton would have been like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like cease and desist, right? Like that's not their speed. Did you see at CES this year? There was the I think BMW unveiled the car that had is wrapped in e ink that changes that can change colors from like white to black. No, that's fucking awesome though. Yeah, it's really cool. So. It's an e-ink too, so it's it doesn't require any like constant power. Nope. Right. It's yeah, just it's like, like a, it's, it's like the Kindle screen stuff. Yeah. It's like on-off switch. Like you yeah. just press it and it does it once, and like okay, cool. That's yeah. really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's very cool. That was one of the cool things from the show. Uh, that's all the emails. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me, we had great Twitter yesterday. People talking all about all over the place. Yeah. All over things. Quote tweeting a lot of stuff. So check out Scream. at too fast too forever on there. Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. Anything you've seen in the last week? Yeah, again, adjacent. Um, I watched uh, something that I tweeted about, that The Rock was on the Peyton Manning broadcast of Monday Night Football for the playoff games, and it kind of wasn't great. No, he. there was some news I saw that he unveiled something. What did he show off? His fucking T-Rex head that he has. That oh, he, he has dinosaurs. He's got, he's got bones or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a T-Rex head in, like, in his office right behind him. Well, you remember, like, that? I think that's just, like, synonymous with the network. Because, you know, Nicolas Cage bought a T-Rex yeah. head that was stolen. And he had to give it back. Yes, that's right. Poor Nick Cage. I do remember this now, yeah. But apparently, like, well, the rumors are that The Rock bought the one that was, like, for sale a couple years ago or last year that was, like, the, like, largest intact T-Rex ever found. And it like went up to private auction 
and sold for a ton of money. And they're like, well, The Rock said this is the largest intact T-Rex head in existence. So did he spend $38 million to buy that T-Rex? And it's like, maybe. We don't know. Maybe. It just it was in a part of the game where there was like a lot of stoppages. I don't think Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are the best at doing a show like this, right? Like they're two guys. No, that it's, like... it's, just, it's the format that works, right? Like it's not them. It's like the more insightful expert thing, right? Yes. So, so they're like still trying to get their feet under them. You know, like this is a this is something that you and I talk about that like you have to be aware of when Zach to speak. Attack when... was bad, so this could live. Exactly. Like, but you need to know the like tone and like when to interject and when to be quiet. And like, they're still working that stuff out. And what happened was, is the rock was like letting them drive, but he shouldn't have at all. He should have just taken over. Like they had Pat McAfee on once and like Pat was just like, okay, what do you guys think about this? And just like started interviewing them and it worked and the rock should have done that. But being polite, he didn't. And he was like waiting for them to ask him about stuff. And so it came off like, it came off kind of bland. The Rock is always awesome. He was pitching Black Adam, which was cool. He he was like, oh, man, after that play, I'm going to need a swig of Terramana tequila. And, like, <laughs> took one out of the ball. So, like, he was obviously being The Rock and charming and stuff. It just didn't work as great as I wanted it to be. And um, But, yeah, that's the, the Fast and the Furious news, if you can call it that, that I saw this week. Well, I have one thing. It's apparently now a new recurring segment that it just coincidental two weeks in a row. But my boss got a press release email to him today, and I saw Fast and Furious in the title. I'm like, mm, what? But Justin Lin okay. lists his L.A. penthouse up for sale. Fast what? and Furious 10 directors, L.A. penthouse. So it is, it's just like the, the realtors of the Furious? I guess so. Located in the thriving L.A. Arts District, originally constructed in 1925 as the West Coast headquarters of Nabisco, was converted to a live-work community in 2007. Do you notice something really cool years, in this? Lynn, I have not looked at the pictures yet. Lynn has used the penthouse as an office for production company with his residence above. It's now for sale at $10 million. Is that Han's bike in the picture? Yeah, it's the one that Giselle is riding in the beginning of, what, like, seven maybe no six no she's dead in seven yeah she's dead and she's dead by seven so six it's cool it's kind of minimal yeah like you get this for 10 million like the roof is really cool yeah but like remember roman tyrese's house was what was three million yeah it was like way doper too i mean it was a goofy size and kind of like a like a house a row house but like this is this is seven million so this is like you know double that yeah, is it that this is like a warehouse apartment? I bet you could buy this in like downtown Johnstown for like thirty five hundred bucks. Where's Johnstown? Just pencil, just middle of oh, pencil, like sure. a yeah, no, like a yes. rundown old uh, warehouse building in any industrial dead city in America. Like, I mean, it's just location, 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 right? So, yeah, that's what this it's is. It's three levels. It's floors seven through nine, wide open volume with open stairs working their way to the top level. 4,300 square feet of interior space, an additional 3,600 square feet of outdoor space that has a half basketball court and even a hot tub. That's cool. It's cool. Oh, Joe, hold on. Will this change your mind? There's been a recent resurgence for LA's downtown and arts district with a new Whole Foods. Ooh, you didn't know that Whole Foods is nearby. (laughs) New indie restaurants just launched three breweries, art galleries, boutiques, and a revitalized Grand Central Market. So just like town shit right like just like places like things to do right so yeah if there was a whole food in johnstown same thing johnny depp owns several condos in the area so is that really a selling point 
A group of savvy celebrities also have their eye on the neighborhood, such as Johnny Depp, who owns several condos in the area. If you're selling points, Johnny Depp, that's not great. Down bad. Yeah, yeah. Not, not top tier. That's two episodes in a row that we have someone very firmly tied to the franchise selling a beautiful place to live. So who will be available next week? I don't know. Yeah, I'm excited to see whose house we can creep on next week. There's also a thing from Who Weekly that they love talking about, which they did not cover yet, but they retweeted it, and I retweeted it as Us. But they, you know, like Us Weekly does the 25 things you don't know about me. Have you seen these? No. They'll I don't have like know what a celebrity be like, get to know me a little bit better. Like, here's 25 things you don't know about me. Is and it all just like, I like pizza? So Jordana Brewster did one. So here's, okay. her, here's her things. Let's see if we know them or not, okay? Okay. Getting personal. Jordana Brewster has been working in Hollywood since she was a teenager and stars in the super successful Fast and Furious film franchise, but there are still some things fans do not know about her. Ooh, so Us Weekly see. asked her to divulge 25 fun facts about herself, from her secret talents and her favorite meal to her typical weekend plans and her pet peeve. Okay. My absolute favorite place, number one, my absolute favorite place to vacation is Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. <laughs> God. Wonder why. Number two, I love the author Virginia Woolf. Okay. Number three, my favorite book by her is Orlando, a biography. That's She split one fact into two. She's already down bad. So there's these 25 <laughs> things where the, the celebrities do it, and there's other ones where it's like 10 things you don't know or like get to know like the star of this new TV show. And like that's where just like some writers like troll or, you know, troll someone's social media and be like, they hung out with uh, Charlie D'Amelio for a weekend last year. Just like you just saw a picture of them together. Like it just that doesn't mean anything. Right. So like, uh, yeah. they're both terrible. This is but yes, you're catching on already. Good job. No, but I'm saying like if, if like one is this is my yeah, favorite no, author and 100%. three is this no, yeah. is my favorite book by that author that you're stretching. OK. Yep. Number four, The Never Ending Story was the first movie I ever saw. It was 1984. Uh, OK. Number five, I have a best friend. They know who they are. She's talking about her, her boyfriend or her fiance, whoever. That, uh, that was lame. Okay. Yeah. Number six, I don't hate social media. I actually think it's a good way to connect with people. Number seven, my last meal on earth would have to be cacio e pepe pasta. Oh, cacio e pepe. Number eight, I'm a dog person. Okay. Number nine, my favorite way to spend a weekend is entertaining. Oh, she has I, she has big Giada entry, uh, energy, right? Yeah, you're not wrong. Number 10, my other favorite way of chilling out is quietly with friends and family, usually with a rum drink in my hand. So we know, actually, here, hold on, we gotta, we gotta do the quiz for her and see if she gets Mia. <laughs> so, what's your favorite drink of choice? I would say uh, something... Rum. Belgian, it would be something fruity, or would I it think be... something fruity, something yeah. fruity. Favorite way is chilling out with guys. Time to kill, hanging with friends, right? So hanging with yeah. friends, right there. Quietly, okay. quietly though, Joey. Number eleven, I get annoyed by nosy people. Okay. Number twelve, my most used emoji is definitely the poop one. Okay. Number thirteen, I sometimes worry about not fulfilling my potential, even though I already feel like I'm living my dream job. That's scary. That Jordana Brewster thinks she's not living up to her potential. Number 14, I can blow really big bubblegum bubbles. Okay. Number 15, my first acting job was on the soap opera All My Children in 1995. I was 15. That, yeah, that had to be like right before Fast and the Furious though, right? Six years like, before, yep. Mm -hmm. No, six years. She was 21 in Fast and the Furious? I guess so. I mean, she was playing like 18, right? She's about to go to college. I just thought that she actually was like 17, 19 in that movie. Like, 
Number 16, my total weakness is a Zacapa Rum Lava Roasted Manhattan. It's rum, spiced cacao vermouth, mezcal, bitters, and marshmallow. The icing on the cake is eating the marshmallow at the end of the drink. So yeah, for sure, something fruity. Something fruity, something sweet. Number 17, I'm currently obsessed with the show Succession. I mean, who isn't, Jordana? Who among us? Number 18, I'm also obsessed with the other two, which I told you she was on an episode of as herself. So. Oh, okay. Yes. Number 19, I'd love to visit Guatemala. Number 20, I actually like driving. Okay. Number 21, I can cook, mainly breakfast. 22, Salt and Peppa was the first concert I ever saw. Okay. 23, I know most people love Instagram, but I hate it. She just said she loves social media above. Not Instagram, apparently. Number 24, I love, I like looking at the Daily Mail app. Okay. And 25, <laughs> I can't live without my two boys, Rowan and Julian. So I like being a mom, was to cap this off. Yeah. How that was, fast that was, do you... Here's three three things that yeah. do you didn't know. How fast do you think she is based on those? Prius or Lambo? Because it's not... She's Prius, maybe? Prius, maybe, yeah. How furious? Doesn't seem very furious. Charlie Brown? Yeah, she's ma- mad at nosy people, remember? So that's it. You got a barbecue. How are you helping? She's probably babysitting, right? Yeah, because she's her mo- a mom of two beautiful boys. Describe your wedding. I don't know. But it's probably, it's us in our families. She seems like really big into family. You just won the lottery. What are you buying? Child at home, you think? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. She's Mia. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Jordana Brewster officially is Mia. Confirmed. Yeah, Joey didn't skimp those answers either. He just was like, we were just going by gut and feels. And uh, yeah, well, I think she, she explicitly answered two or three of them. And then I think mm-hmm. based, you know, based on the tone and just whatever, you know, she's family oriented and... A little fast, a little furious. Yeah, that's it. Makes sense. Joe, is Dwayne Johnson in F10? The answer still no. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and based on him talking in the uh, Manning broadcast and not mentioning Fast and the Furious at all, he's just fully just pitching Black Adam and his tequila and his T-Rex. I don't think the Fast and the Furious is on the brain. Answer still no. But the final thing to do before we take a break and talk about In the Name of the King is the Fast and the Furious Minute for Too Fast, Too Furious Minute 45, a minute I called Confrontations. Hey, man, I clean your windshield, buddy. What are you doing, man? Ha, 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 ha. Uno, front, on top, bro. Everything, I'm standing home. Man, go stop church, ya. Kiss my ass, putos. Go, go, go. Don't blow our cover before we even get started. Hey, Bill, could you tell me what went wrong? That's what I want to know. Show me your hands. Come on, keep them up. What's this about, man? Hey, wait, what's going on? Hold this. You think you can shoot at me? I'm a goddamn federal agent. What are you talking about? Hey, Just right. your damn hands up. Man, get him away from me, dude. Just because you wear a bass don't mean you can come in and mess shit up for us. So in this minute, Roman approaches Enrique and Roberto in their car. After spraying down their windshield and insulting them, he lights their windshield on fire and escapes with Brian. We move to the temporary safe house at East Coast Fisheries, where Brian, Roman, Markham, and Bilkins all look for answers and get into a fight over what happened. Also, Agent Dunn is there. Markham draws a gun on Roman, then tosses it to Dunn to scrap with Roman. Brian and Bilkins step in to separate the two as the minute ends. Yes. 
So I mentioned there, Markham throwing the gun to Dunn seems a little bit reckless. I know he's angry, but just like, hey, man, like, holster it or put it down. Like, don't, like, toss, like, here you go. Hold this. It's like, what? But I, I think it was more of a, like, keep this so I don't do anything crazy. Yeah, probably. But you're right. Don't, let's not toss guns around. Just in general. The one thing I sort of alluded to earlier, because there's some Spanish, and like I, I, I'm learning it on Duolingo. I can read it better than I can hear it, for sure. Yeah. I don't know what most of these things they're saying, but there was the one where he says, que pasa, a word I'm not going to say, because I Googled it. I'm like, what does that mean? And it's the F word. It's the fat burger word. So yeah. not only is that in the first movie, but also in the second movie. And like, it's it's less obvious. In Spanish. It, yes, it's in Spanish, <laughs> but it's also still like very, like they don't mask it at all, right? It's just like, what's up, F words? It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not cool, uh, not great, not great. Something that I didn't catch as a non-Spanish speaker, so uh, just totally glazed over me. I think if, you're, if your bigotry ran deep, you might be excited that now it's two for two in the movies. Yeah, two <laughs> for you two. you get a slur. Slurs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, oh, I really like these movies. I knew I did. <laughs> yeah. There's slurs for everyone. <laughs> I do like Roman Spanglish, though, of uno, tres, cuatro, fortro, taco. So one, three, four, fake word, taco, right? So just like, yes. I don't know what I'm saying. Like, I'm just, I'm being silly, but it's also like, you know what you're talking about, right? So I do like that he he, that he calls one of them Elion, because like this was prime Elion Gonzalez is still in the lexicon. Yes. So he calls him Elian and Fidel, and so if people don't know, Elian Gonzalez was this like, what, seven-year-old boy, maybe, who This story is wild. Yeah. He took a raft from Cuba to America with his family, and like I think maybe his family but did died. He? It was like it was like a conspiracy. Like he they was balloon said boy he... before balloon boy. He was. He was original. He was yeah. He was original balloon. He was boy, raft but boy on a raft. Yeah. Is that racist? I mean, no. We're just saying like exactly what happened. It has nothing to do with his race that he was on a raft. And then Fidel is Fidel Castro. So they're both Cuban, famous Cubans, I guess? Question mark. And then what didn't like Castro was Castro still alive? Who was the guy in Cuba who like demanded Elian Gonzalez come back? And then and then all the white women in America wanted him to stay here. And oh then... yeah, no, he 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 served as leader of Cuba from '59 to '08, so he was definitely in charge of Cuba when this right? happened. And, yeah, and they like he was like hiding in a closet, didn't they? Like storm a house and they found him like hiding in a closet or whatever. Like yeah, like at his aunt's house. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what, I'm just trying to remember this story because I remember it was wild. It was all over the news super captivating and went on forever but this is guys before pandemics and terrorism this is the kind of shit that would be on the news for for years and this years. is the, yeah this is the year 2000 so we just celebrated the 20th anniversary a couple years ago that's what vox posted about in you know 20 years later but joe we we head to a new location here we get to the east coast fisheries what did you notice anything of note like this is kind of a barren locale but what did you pick up on yes. in this minute you're right uh, East Coast Fisheries is a barren locale, but I did find where it was, and the East Coast Fisheries safe house was not made for the movie. It had existed there. Okay. It's not like a set. Like, they didn't, like, you know, make that happen. So that's pretty cool, I think, that, like, it. they probably just walked in and it looked just like that. You know what I mean? Like, maybe threw those chairs in there. There's nothing there, but that's what they did. Right. Also, sadly, this has gone away. And now that's like a developed waterfront park that has condominiums next to it. And I, I mean, obviously land next to water in Miami, right? How long did it have? Right. So yeah, so now it's something much, much cooler. 
uh, noticed a car in the background, um, but I was mainly focused on thinking about Elion Gonzalez and the story of Elion as we went through this time. But I, I do have the thing that I think that this is this is probably where the building was on Google Maps. I have a shot of where I think it is. Like forty southwest North River. Yeah, that looks like the that for sure looks like the trees definitely grew like tr- like the yeah. But yes, I say, yeah, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. Like I think that like that part of that wall is probably where the East Coast Fisheries was painted on it based on the address that's given and like I obviously shit has changed a lot there's like an even a new bridge like right where it is and stuff but I think that that's probably the side of the wall that that building was so anything else of note or you want to do the trivia question no I would like to do a trivia question so I had an idea and then I was like this is actually a better idea because my original question was gonna be what nicknames does Roman use for Enrique and Roberto Eliana Fidel like we talked about but I think I think that's too easy. Okay, okay. I think in reverse, what's harder is what are the real names of the characters he calls Elliot and Fidel? Do they say it, like, at any point? Like, um, forget, let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> like, not in this minute. I don't, they haven't said it. Uh, so they showed up in minute 28 with the Fonz. Monica Fuentes says, Roberto, Enrique, I need pictures of the drivers, the license plates, their cars, and anything else you can find. Entiendes? Entiendes? Gracias. And Roberto says, vamos. Okay. So, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, one line in the movie so far where their names are dropped. But it is, it's in-universe. We know their names, and it's been mentioned in the movie. I think it's fair. I think it's hard. Unless you want to just do... No, I don't, I don't mind it. It's just, it doesn't, it's, it's like, it's not a question for this minute. Get what I'm saying? If well, you do, do you it your better, way. Do, would you, what's a better question for this minute? Like, I, do, I don't have one. It yeah. would be East Coast Fisheries, I guess. But I think that's equally – like that was – that's more applicable to this minute. I think it applies to this minute because he calls them Eliana Fidel in this minute. Okay. That, yeah, that's fair. It, like it doesn't bother me. I was just like uh, they don't say Enrique and – but also nobody's watching this movie and taking the quiz minute by minute. Because I – like this is a minute – like the, when you go to a new location, there's outside shots, there's inside shots, there's conflict, there's confrontation. And like I can't think of a better question. I don't think. I can't I, – I think that you're right. I agree with you. Go ahead. So we got Roberto and Enrique. Give me three more pairs of names. Oh, can this be a pick two somehow? Pick like the two uh, correct ones. I wonder how Google. I can do that. I don't know. Answer key. Okay, yeah, we can do that. Which? So we have four names. You have to pick the right two, and you can get a half a point type situation. I have no idea how Google's going to do that. So, however it does it, it does it. <laughs> okay. Okay. That Enrique works for me. Roberto. What else? Two more names. Paulo. Antonio. Antonio's great. Okay. Cool. Rafael. Ivan. Carlos. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Rafael is good too. Raphael. That's kind of like Roberto. And what was, the, what was the one you just said that I said was great? Antonio. We'll do five. What are the real characters' names for who Roman calls Eliana Fidel? Pick two. <laughs> Antonio, Enrique, Paolo, Raphael, Roberto. <laughs> that somehow feels so much worse than, than it started out being. That's why I love it. Yeah, that, that, that devolved into a really hard question really quick. I wonder if it's multiple choice. Maybe... What? Check boxes. Pick two. Okay, yeah. I, I get I changed it from uh, multiple choice to a check boxes. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll take the quiz soon probably because we're almost at minute fifty. So there has to be a way to do it because like, you know, this is a common thing in like grade school teacher Oh yeah. I just I'm sure Google could do it. I just don't know how to do it in real time. So 
we'll figure sense. it out. But minute 45 confrontations. We now have 48 questions on the minute. Very exciting. Yeah. We're almost halfway through the movie, kind of. Are we? 106 minutes, so. Hmm. Okay. You know, Doesn't feel like we're halfway, halfway through. through. It, feels, it feels like we're at the end of the first third. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, we got, you know, they're in with, I guess they really haven't really started with Carter yet, right? I, they went to his house. But, like, they, but, they just got recruited, right? Like, they're not really, and he's like, this is what I want you to do. Like, they haven't really started doing the work for him yet. Yep. They've just been hanging exactly. out. So. Yep. All right, Joe, let's take a break and let us come back and let's talk about In the Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege tale. Number 222, the king, what is it called? The king? king? In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. This episode is brought to you by King's I'm going to leave that in, by the way, because the name is dumb, but please go on. Okay, yeah, I, because you said the name of the movie we were watching, and I was like, what is this movie about? And then oh, yeah, you I also got, said got... the full name of it last night, and the, and I was trying to go through the cook, the thief, the the wife, and we got the... some wordy titles recently. That's true. Yes. That's very true. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Kings Brothers Dairy. Their grandparents were in the creamery business in the 1960s, and their father always took care of the cows and ran the dairy farm. So now he was in charge. Kings Brothers Dairy. Well, shout out to Kings Brothers Daria. Welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. So this is, once again, Justin Kleinman's patron pick. I don't know if he genuinely likes this, Justin. Please write in. Let us know. I sent him a, I sent him and you both a screenshot. Not a screenshot. Well, it's kind of a screenshot. A picture of my TV with my kitten looking, watching Burt Reynolds as king yeah. in this movie. Because Burt Reynolds, in this movie, apparently the only movie he ever was in where he dies. Is that true? So he apparently extensively rewrote and reworked the scene where he died. Cause he's like, I've never died on screen before. I want this to be important. And the screenwriter was like, no, like t- do it how I wrote it. And he's <laughs> like, no, I'm going to do it this way. Cause I'm Burt Reynolds and fuck you. <laughs> and so that's how it happened. Pretty awesome. So guys, a little behind the scenes here. I being the astute student that I am watched the extended edition of this film. All well, too the- well, hours yes. and 45 minutes of it. So here's a lot of, and I wrote, I watched a theatrical. So, okay. Yes. To understand this movie, because I have some notes on the movie. I don't know how much there is to actually talk about the movie, because we'll talk about the movie when we get to the movie. But to understand the movie, do you know anything about either this movie or the background of this movie? Nothing. Or the director? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Please tell. Okay. So first off, the name. Please, Go okay. ahead. Please ask no, any questions. I- is it because it's called in the name of the king a dungeon siege tale? Conqu- tale does is this like some kind of version of uh, Dungeons and Dragons that they tried to make a film about? No, there is a Tom Hanks movie called Mazes and Monsters, which is basically a Dungeons and Dragons movie. This is based on a video game series called Dungeon Siege. Okay, okay, okay. That that feels a little bit more real. Okay, that that works. Go ahead. 
one of the funnier background things is that they like had to completely rewrite the script because they, they wrote the first and they're like, oh, this is we, we, we basically just wrote Lord of the Rings. <laughs> we can't make Lord um, of the Rings again. So, OK, it took more than a year to write the script because they had to write rewrite 80 percent of it because the story was too similar to Lord of the Rings. So, like, not only is it just like fantasy and like everything kind of pays inspiration and homage to like lord of the rings and like a handful of like really classic but just like we can't do the same story we gotta do something different so as i'm watching this movie i look at rachel and i go this feels like do you know the meme that's like your like when your mom says no we have that at home no okay there's a meme that's like you're like hey can we get mcdonald's and and it's like the the mcdonald's you have at home and like your mom oh yes 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 okay Mm -hmm. so (laughs) i said this was like hey mom can we watch lord of the rings and she's like no you have lord of the rings at home and this is what you get this is the generic version of it that somebody bought yeah yeah also in terms of the cgi which we'll talk to oh yeah production of that believe it or not was convoluted and problematic they had the director to fire several different providers who outsourced their work to cheaper lower quality studios so just keep that in mind so just like whatever okay (laughs) it's very obvious so this is directed by a man named uwe boll u-w-e space b-o-l-l uwe boll he's german okay and he's known for adapting video game movies or making video game franchises video games themselves into movies Okay. He did nine of them, okay? Nine separate video game movies. Yes. The worst one, which is considered one of the worst movies ever made, not just worst video game movies, but worst movies ever made, is 2005's Alone in the Dark, which is a game that I grew up on, that I loved. I never saw this movie, but he made this movie, and just before this one, he made Alone in the Dark, which people are just like, this movie is atrocious. So he's just, okay. you know, they're critical failures, they're commercial failures, they lose money. As time goes on, he retires from filmmaking in 2016. And I'm going to go into more detail. I copied a lot of the interesting stuff from his Wikipedia. This episode okay. is going to be about the movie, but also about Uwe Boll. Okay. So he retires in 2016 from filmmaking to become a restaurateur with his wife and then returned to filmmaking in 2020. So he's back making movies again, in case you're worried. He's made okay. House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, Blood Rain, multiple ones of that, this movie, a movie called Postal, which I'll get into more, and Far Cry, which I did not know was a movie. I know it's a video game series. I did not know that they made it into a movie, which I guess tells you all you know. I feel like know. I saw the movie poster for that, but okay. So in September 2010, he made a movie called Auschwitz about the concentration camp, posted the trailer on okay. YouTube. He okay. plays an SS gas chamber guard. And there are scenes in the trailer of brutalizing and killing inmates. And he said that Schindler's List, quote, no longer had the ability to reach young people. And it was his duty as a German to make the film as a way of confronting the past. He's like, you know, that movie Spielberg (sighs) made that won a lot of awards people love. It's like a really tough thing about a tough tough subject. Uh, Kids don't care about that shit. We wanted to see people. They they want to see people kill each other. Like we need to make this movie again. Wolfenstein the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So House of the Dead, budget of twelve million, made less than six. Perfect. Alone in the Dark, twenty million dollar budget, made five. Okay. Blood Rain, made for twenty five million dollar budget, made two and a half. This Dude. movie, hold on, this movie, in the name of the king. Do you want to guess what the budget was for this movie? I I feel like they somehow gave him more money than those ones. It has to be like. 45 million? You are still too low. Keep going up. 
60 million. 60 million dollars and it made 10 million dollars. This was overwhelmingly lost 50 million dollars this movie. J- Joey, how the fuck can we fail up like this? The 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 trick here is be German because they said in the DVD commentary they're like how to how 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 and he says, quote, maybe you know it, but it's not so easy to finance movies in total. The reason I'm able to do it is the kind of movies I have a tax shelter fund in Germany. And if you invest in a movie in Germany, you basically get 50% back from the government. So they're oh. so, like, eager for art. They're like, here, here's $30 million back. Thank you for making a movie. If you're a German that makes a movie, that's it. Yeah, I guess so. Fuck. Or maybe film in Germany. I don't know. Like, there's all sorts of, like, tax credits. Like, that's why a lot of things yeah, film yeah, in Atlanta yeah. and California Pittsburgh. and whatever, right? So. Yeah. So when this movie opened in theaters, it made $3 million this opening weekend. Did not even crack the top 10 for the weekend that it opened. So. <laughs> okay. He also said after this flopped that it would be his first and last movie with a large budget. So I guess, I don't know, $25 million seems like a large enough budget, but maybe that's not big enough. Uh, 4% of Rotten big. Tomatoes. 15 on Metacritic. Time listed this as one of their 10 worst video game movies. Uh, it's one of the worst, 100 worst films of the 2000s, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Nominated for five Razzies, including Worst Picture, Worst Screenplay, Worst Supporting Actor for Burt Reynolds, and Worst Supporting Actress for Lily Sobieski. And Uwe Boll won Worst Director at the Razzies. I'm not a huge fan of the Razzies, but just putting them in the context there. Yeah. Would it surprise you to learn, in spite of all that... He filmed two sequels to this movie. Not one, but there are two more in The Name of the King. There's In the Name of the King 2, Two Worlds, which came out four years later, starring Dolph Lundgren. And then three years after that, in 2014, he directed In the Name of the King 3, The Last Mission, which starred Dominic Purcell, the brother in Prison Break. That is not as surprising to me because Rachel told me today because... When I didn't realize I was watching the extended edition and I was two hours into the movie, I said, there's no way this movie finishes here. Please, God, tell me they made sequels. And she said, yes, there's two more yep. of them. Yep. And I said, two more? That's very interesting. She goes, yes, but also none of these characters yep. are in either of those movies. Yep. And I was like, that does not make any sense. How do you make continuations of this? without it even being about Jason Statham, but apparently they did. So the movie, the version I watched, the one that's in theaters, is two hours and seven minutes long. The one that you watched is just about 2.40. Yeah. Uh, The DVD that came out first in April of 08 did not have that long one. The first DVD to come out was just the theatrical. And then eight months later, they put out the Blu-ray, which had the extended edition yeah and they made 14 million dollars on the on the home release which is it made more money on dvd than it did in theaters which is how things used to work back in like blockbuster days but in modern times that's not how things go and especially not now but like this is not that old of a movie like you know 15 years or whatever it should not make more money at home than it did in the theaters but yet that's what happened who can say why what yeah i was gonna say are people like oh i heard this is really bad let's watch it or what I don't know. How did this get made covered it? So I watched it for that, I think. I don't know. But so this is the second time I've seen this movie. I uh, have a better question. The, I yeah. know that, like, there's how did this get made? This is why did this get made? I think he just wants to, like, I think there's something. I don't have an answer for this. But I think there's something like he knows that these video games have a built-in audience. And they're hungry for good, like, any content that's good about the things they love. And I think the thinking is if you put together the right thing... It's like, oh, 
20 million people already, you know, played this game and love this game, they're going to go see the movie too. Like even if only half of them, that's still 10 million people, my movie's going to make a hundred million dollars. Or you know what I mean? Like it's so, it's, I think the thinking is that I think, I don't know if it's not that, I don't know. That, I guess that kind of makes sense, but I mean, this is just fucking Lord of the Rings. It is, it's like shitty yes. Lord of the Rings. That's what this is. I've never played Dungeon Siege. I don't know. So the the version you watched is not the complete version, though. I don't know if this has ever came out, but he said there's a three-hour version with more scenes of character development. So that exists somewhere, maybe on his hard drive. I think that's what, no, that's that's mostly what I watched, I think. You watched a three-hour version. I mean, it was 240. Like, it was, it was no, a no, lot no. of character so, development. So hold on. there's Because I, uh, hold on. The director's cut is 242. I think this is, I think there's even a longer one. I think there's like 20 more minutes of character development in some version that maybe wasn't ever released. I okay. Back to Uwe Boll. So he, in 2006, told his critics to put up or shut up, and his production company put out a press release that said he'll challenge his five harshest critics to a 10-round boxing match. Uh, they also He also was like, hey, Quentin Tarantino, Roger Avery, if you guys want to fight, I'll fight you too. Okay. Five people apparently came forward. They dubbed the event Raging Bull, like his last name instead of Raging Bull, Raging Bull, put together this like pay-per-view event. He fought and beat all five people. Because he's just like, he's like a box. Like, he's an athlete. He's not a filmmaker. He's like an athlete. You know, so he just like, he beat the shit out of these five people or whatever. <laughs> I also looked up, because I thought I remembered, and it is right, that at Fantastic Fest, they used to do this. I don't know if they still do it. Now things are virtual. Who knows? But they used to do this thing called Fantastic Debates, where they would like do like two sides of an argument. They'd be like... For instance, be like, the Fast and Furious is the greatest film franchise that ever exists. And like somebody to give like, you know, like a debate, like a debate club, right? It's like 90 seconds yeah. of like, this is why it is. And the other person's like, fuck you, it's wrong, you're wrong, this is why it sucks. And then after they beat both their thing, they box for three minutes. And okay, then they, do they would box another round. after the debate, okay. They do a round of debate, then they box, and they do another round of debate, and they box, and they do another round of debate, and they box. Uwe Boll boxed Tim League, the former CEO and founder of the Draft House. So... You know, okay. that's on YouTube. If you want to watch him boxing Tim League, it exists. You can watch that. <laughs> okay. So in 2008, after this movie comes out, I don't think because of this movie, but probably didn't help. Uh, the Guardian, UK published The Guardian, ran an article claiming that he had promised to retire if an online petition received a million signatures. From boxing or filmmaking? From filmmaking. Okay. Important distinction. Yeah. In... May of that year, a month later, Stride Gum said they would give each signer a digital coupon for a pack of gum if they reached a million signatures by in the next week. Why did Stride Gum want a piece of this? I don't know. I think probably just Why promotion. are they hating on Uve Bowl? I don't know. But then later, they're like, hey, were you really going to retire? Because like the, the, it reached like 350,000. So there's like a lot of people, but like it was way short of a million, right? And that was after like six years. And they're like, would you ever have retired? He's like, no, it took too long. He's like, they even got sponsored by that gum factory. I felt like if it's three years later, forget it. I also felt like people signed numerous petitions on the numerous times. So it's only like 150,000 people. Actually, He's acknowledging that there's 150,000 people in the world who hate me so much they never want to see me make a film again. <laughs> yeah. Fuck those people, though. I'm not going to retire. I'm not going anywhere. It's pretty It's pretty badass. We're, we're not fucking leaving. No. The show goes on. So this is the best part of the story. So he does okay. retire, like I said. He retires from filmmaking in 2016, become a restaurateur because he loves fine dining. So he's a boxer. He loves fine dining. 
He says he visited 120 Michelin star restaurants in 10 years. He even has a short video series online with restaurant reviews. So, like, this guy just loves this stuff, right? Okay, cool. That's I respect it. That's cool. He opened a restaurant, the Bauhaus restaurant in Vancouver, because he's like, there's not enough German food here. I'm going to open a German restaurant in here. He hired this guy, Stefan Hartman, as an executive chef. Who okay. had, he's a Michelin star chef for a restaurant he has in Berlin. Uh, okay. He eventually he got replaced by other guys. The irony, people love his restaurants. He gets rave reviews. He's a great restaurateur. Oh, so, okay. I was I was expecting this to be like a big flop, but it's, no. it's the reverse. It's the other way around. Okay. The restaurant is number 37 on Canada's 100 Best Restaurants list from 2016. It was in the world's 50 Best Restaurant Discovery Series in 2017, one of only three Canadian restaurants to be included. They asked him about this. He said, quote, it's interesting, right? I had to open up a restaurant to get good reviews. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's a fucking G. Yeah. Okay. He, you know, he's opened other restaurants. He's open, you know, other places. He's hiring Michelin star chefs. So, like, he knows what he's doing there. And clearly, I mean, his movies don't make money, but, like, they, he keeps getting to make movies. And I know it's like, you know, the white, the middle you know, the, the middling white guy failing upwards. Like, I understand that. But it's also, like, there's something, you know, terrible filmmaker, but there's something fascinating about his, like, persistence and yeah. his, like, ability to just keep on doing the thing. Keep on trucking. He's not getting down about it. He just keeps making flop movie after flop movie. <laughs> He's like, you guys going to keep doing this? I'm down. I would think, and I don't know. I would guess the fact that, like, maybe he might just be likable. I don't know. Even worse, he's just, like, an actual gangster, like a German gangster. The movies are just a front to, like, launder money. And, like, the restaurant is actually what he cared about. Yeah. You, like, a fucking, like, um, Hatchet. Or what's what's the what what's the movie that Christopher Moltisanti makes in... in oh, yeah. I think it's Hatchet. Cleaver. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he's just out here making Cleaver, and that's what's happening. So the thing I mentioned earlier about Postal, there's this video game called Postal, which is, like, one of the worst games ever made, and then he made this into a movie. And okay. so there's this series of books called Boss Fight Books, which I heard about because the guy who made Spelunky wrote about Spelunky. So Derek Yu created Spelunky, and he wrote a book about it, basically about, like, the found, like how he did it, whatever. And it's awesome. Like, it's so cool. But usually what the series is, it's, like, writers or people who, like, love games, like, just pick, like, each book is about a different game. And so I had read a couple. I read one about NBA Jam. I read one about Spelunky. I read one about Metal Gear. Okay. And I read this one about Postal. And the Postal one is interesting because it's split into two halves. They have a guy talk to the creators of the video game who were these, like, real right-wing assholes, like, just, like, monstrous people who are terrible. And then okay. they have Nathan Rabin, formerly of the AV Club, go talk to Uwe Boll, and, like, it's just, like, a completely different tone. She's like, this guy is, like, wacky. Like, he knows he's making a terrible movie, but, like, whatever. So, like, Postal is this thing that, like, this terrible game that is like hyper violent and like just wanted to like start shit they're like we just want to like fuck up the status quo and the uve bull's like yeah let's make it into a movie it's like no wait what no what so <laughs> okay does he like video games does, or do they just he bring must, him? right like there's no way to yeah. not I he must know. just sit around and play video games and eat at michelin star restaurants that's fucking living the dream over seems here seems like a good life yeah the only other trivia i want to say is that during production he sponsored a charity visit to the set Guests got to see behind-the-scenes work, and proceeds were donated to a children's hospital. So again, like, just a cool, like, hey, we're raising money for this hospital. Come, you know, donate. Come check out the set. We're making this movie. Ray Liotta, furious about this. He's like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. What are we doing here? 
And he would talk about how, quote, crazy it was and how crazy Bull was for letting so many people on the set after this happened. So, like, sweethearted, good idea, but, like, also, it's a closed set. Like, you're making a movie, like, let actors do their thing. It's just, like, he doesn't – I don't think he understands that, like, the the intricacies (laughs) of, like, making – I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, of actually making a film. I think that maybe he understands it too much. Maybe. He's just, like – you know, it would really piss Ray Liotta off if we just had like 35 children waltz through this movie today. Sure. <laughs> and Ray Liotta is like, what the fuck? He's like, told you, look at Ray. He's so irritated. I acted in fucking Goodfellas and now here I am floating <laughs> and, around. And Uwe Boll is just over there like, who's the real gangster? Yeah. That's what I wanted. Yeah. We're watching this because of Jason Statham. He plays a farmer named Farmer. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Kevin Costner. Yeah was offered that role, but Costner said he wasn't interested because he didn't want to do an action film, like a big-scale action film, and instead he did Mr. Brooks. And he's like, apparently, Uwe Boll says, Kevin Costner's like, hey, don't do this movie, direct Mr. Brooks. And Uwe Boll's like, no, I don't want to do that movie. So, who knows? Weird. I don't know. Who knows if that's (laughs) true or not? This might just be him making shit up. I don't know. It will be badass if he just starts making rumors like this. It would be great. Yeah, right? The last role to get cast is Claire Forlani, who plays Solana, which is Statham's wife. Um, also, Solana okay. is, like, a, a very big player in the blockchain space. So, like, all every time they say – and they say Solana a lot because she gets kidnapped in this movie. I'm just, like, all I can think about is she's, like, work, and I'm, like, I don't want to hear about this. So, yeah, Solana, now a blockchain thing. I would love to hear that they were named after this character. Probably not. Who knows? But the reason I bring it up. Because her role had been offered to Jessica Alba and Jessica Biel, who understandably turned it down. Because why the fuck? Why? Why would you? Yeah, so. exactly. Anyway, that's a lot of things. I want to put the proper context for, like, who made this movie. Because the movie itself is just, like, it's better than I thought. Because I'm like, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's not good. It's better than I thought. It's just, like, I don't know. It's just, again, home version of Lord of the Rings. But what did you think about In the Name of the King, colon, A Dungeon Siege Tale? I was watching the extended edition, and there's definitely lots of it that you need to cut out. Um, so the story felt convoluted for a very long time. I just didn't know what was happening. Did you feel the same way? Well, so I guess it depends on what level of understanding you want. Because, like, if you need to know, like, the whole like, – if you want to know why a scene is happening, there's probably going to be questions. But basically, there's these bad guys. Statham's wife gets kidnapped. His son gets killed. And he has to go get her back. That's like, it's, it's very simple. But if you're like, why are we following these characters? What's going on here? I don't know. I can't tell you that. But the actual like through line, I get that. I think it's pretty straightforward. Why other things are happening. I, I got no idea. Yeah, that makes sense. I also think, I think the biggest issue with the movie, maybe not an issue. I don't know. But like everybody you see is exactly what you think they're going to be. Like, of course, Ray Liotta is like villainous. And of course, Matthew Lillard is like kind of like snaky and weaselly. And, like, Statham's our hero, and Burt Reynolds is the king, and, like, surprise, he's also Statham's father. It's like, yeah, like, I get it. Like, I've seen yeah, that before. was, yeah, exactly. Was there, any, was there anything about this movie that you liked? Um, I liked how kitschy it was, and, like, how it felt like they were into it. Like, Ray Liotta is really trying to make a movie in this. He, he I don't think he understands how bad this movie is turning out as he's doing it. yeah. Because it's weird, but it's not, it's, it's not weird in, like, an interesting way. It's weird in, like, a, why, why, what? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's weird to see these actors be like, okay, like, we're trying, and you're like, but you shouldn't, just stop. Yeah. 
apparently Statham was injured while making the movie. He had an injured tendon in his foot. So like when he's running around the movie, he's like limping the entire time. So something to keep an eye on if he ever watches again, which I'm guessing you're probably not going to. But in case I'm kind of curious about the next ones, to be honest. Like, I, I, how do you keep going with this? Well, let's see here. I'm going to look and see what the ratings of the next two are. I can't imagine they're better, but also, you know, this has a pretty freaking low. Well, no, they're all <laughs> they're all 1.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So. Yeah, not very good. No. Let's talk about the family element because... It starts with the family barbecue. Like, it starts with yeah. family. There's a lot of family in it, so... Statham is a farmer named Farmer. He's hanging out with, uh, what's his name, who plays Hellboy, Ron Perlman. He's got his wife and his kid, and he's, he's got a wonderful home life. The kid's like, why doesn't dad have a name? And the mom is like, your father believes that people become what they do. So he's just like, you don't have a name. He's a farmer, so we're going to call him Farmer. And the kid's like, yeah, makes sense. It's like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, and he's like, did he ever have a name? And he's like, nope, parents died, didn't name him. He's just, was he was boy, then he was Farmer. Yeah. He's like, did, did he have a dad? And they're like, well, the whole town adopted him. He has no birth family. The full town is just like, yeah, we got him. There's no other name. They all took care of him. They passed him around. They raised him. He's a good man. And so then later in the movie, when he meets up with, there's like this like prophecy or this rumor or whatever that the king, like there's this like, you know, illegitimate son or who knows what or whatever. But like Farmer is the king's yeah. son. So like when Burt Reynolds dies from his battle wounds, Statham yeah. becomes king. So I don't know in the name of the king. I don't know if it's for Burt Reynolds. I don't know if it's for Statham because like Statham ends farmer. his movie as a king. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's for Farmer for sure. We are Farmers. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. <laughs> I think the issue, like Lord of the Rings does magic well. This does magic really shitty. Yeah, the, the Ray Liotta, I get to talk through orcs. And and them using the the fuzzy vision that he sees out of the orc is completely unnecessary. In this movie, they called the Krug K R U G. Okay, they're basically like putties from Power Rangers. It's putties and orcs mixed together. Like they they suck. They're just like grunts. They're just like you know brutish and strong or whatever. But they're like when they attack the town in the beginning, they're like oh my god, like they're using weapons. They're wearing armor. Like they're like they've upped their game. Like we don't know how it is, and like it's because Ray Liotta is becoming this powerful wizard and, like, stealing powers from people, right? He's, like, he's raising, he's helping Lily Sobieski develop her powers and kind of, like, sucks them out of her like he's, like, a Death Eater or a Dream Eater, right? A Death Eater, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's just, like, absorbing her powers. She's like, I don't want this. What are we doing? Yeah, because her dad is the other, is, like, another magician. That's a weird way to do it, but sure. The magic does lead to a scene that I cannot believe I forgot, but as soon as I saw it happen, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. But at the end, there's a sword fight where they're just dueling with their minds. Yes, while talking. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, I don't know if it's good, but like, I've never seen this before because where else would you see it? But I'm like, I kind of like this. That part I did, yeah, I get, I see it. I, th I think it's cool. And I feel like that has happened before. That that whole sequence right there felt very Matrixy. Sure. With, like, that and then leading into, like, then the books and all that situation. And he's like, and here's the Matrix part. And that's, and just turned it on. It was like, that's what we're doing now. Yeah, like, I can't say that anything in this movie is really probably original. Like we said, like, it's, it, it, they rewrote 80% of the script because, it's like, oh, we made Lord of the Rings again. Oops. The music, <laughs> the music feels like it's just from other things. Like, it just. Oh, the, oh I'm glad you brought up the music. It's like. It does feel like it's from other things, and I think that really the way that, like, I can describe it is it feels like 
It's music that you get made for a daytime TV movie. Sure, yeah. It's like we got like $75 for you to find temp tracks online. Go go nuts. But like don't go too nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like none of it feels like that good. No. Well, it, it's, it, like, it's not bad, but it just feels like it doesn't belong in this movie. It's like yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That, like it, it is music. The music isn't like inherently bad if it was just on its own. It just like it just doesn't fit. Like they found something, they were like, ah, that's close enough, I guess. Right? Yeah. Like that's kind of yeah. what we were going for, and they just stopped. When when you make real movies, other movies, when people make movies, they put like a temp track in, and they're like, this is what you know, this is what this is the mood we're going for, and then sometimes like that just like sticks around or like whatever you know. Because people are just like, oh, that's what I, that's how I hear, the, that's how I envision the scene, that's how I feel the scene now. So like, they just have to make do or whatever. But like, it's you know, you put a temp track in because you're like, okay, like we're not gonna, we can't afford this Beatles song, but like this is the song that we want to do, or like it's something yep. that sounds like this, right? And then they actually, yep. you know, do the thing. But this feels like, oh yeah, like we'll just stick with that. It's like, well, that's not, that's not what. We, <laughs> okay, but they yeah. did that. But they did that with like the clip art version of the songs, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, like I just watched the episode of Seinfeld today where uh, George has you, you like the picture where it's it's him with the beach photo right and then like yeah. he brings it to the Photoshop guy and he like erases the boss the dad yeah yeah and then he erases George and he draws him back in as like a cartoon just like yeah it's like kind of like that it's just like it, you know <laughs> yeah it's a man but it's not it doesn't fit what's going on here so exactly what's worse than the music though I think is that main action scene that's halfway through that's probably 15 minutes long or maybe longer in your in your version i don't know yeah which like, one is it tell me which is it after like the, the sword tree fight fairies? in the woods the, yeah after the tree fairies okay it's just where they're like battling each other with swords and like nothing's happening it's just like clank 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 the part clank. with the ninjas yeah okay yeah because there's there's tree ninjas and there's tree fairies yeah, it's it's the scene where Burt Reynolds is there on horseback, and he that's the the battle where he gets wounded because it's just okay, like yeah. like everybody in the movie like Matthew Lillard has his Krugs and like Ray Liotta is like commanding them from afar and whatever. I think that might have been twenty twenty five minutes in my version. It's a long time. It's a very long time. I mean, like maybe it just felt like that, and I'm exaggerating, but it's very very long. I watched this movie in two sittings, not really because I needed to pace myself, just because I watched half of it. Monday and a half yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, I paused it in the middle of that. And I came back and I'm still like, oh, I still got a lot of this scene. Okay. okay. Cool. Did you notice that the, that the, the farmer's son, did you notice what his name was? No. What, what was his name? Zeph. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I, I turned. So the reason I didn't like put two and two together is because I was watching this with subtitles. I'm like, maybe if I watch with subtitles, I, cause it's in English, I will follow it. I'll pay more attention to it. Right. And his yeah, name is it's spelled... easy to drift out of, for sure, because yeah. it's a lot of action. It's There's very long action scenes. I was drifting in and out, for sure. But it's spelled Z-E-P-H. So in my head, I wasn't thinking Zach Efron. I was just thinking Zeph. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just a kid's name. Because I'm like, this kid looks familiar. And then like he's not credited on Letterboxd. I'm like, why not? It's like, oh, because he dies like eight minutes into the movie. Yeah, but he's Zeph. So I was, Zeph. I was excited about he's that. He's still acting. Like, he's in 56 things. He's still around. The kid? Um, yeah. Okay. He was in We Bought a Zoo and Push and Under the Dome and Daybreak, and this year he's going to be in The Hill and the Jeffrey Dahmer story, and he was in 50 States of Fright a couple years ago. Like, he's still under the dome. I guess he was one of the stars of Under the Dome, Captain Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Like, yeah, he's he's still working. Like, that kid stuck around. It's crazy. The, the one general that is there that, like, gets is almost getting stomped by the orc and then doesn't, 
did you recognize who this guy was? I don't know. Who was it? It's Brad Bramish from Brick. Oh, wait, what did I... I just saw somebody else from Brick. I looked somebody else up recently, and they are like, oh, best known for Brick. And I was like, what? Yeah, but, but seeing Brad Bramish from Brick in this was really, really awesome. Brad Bramish. Brian White. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. He's the guy who has, like, the long sword fight, the one-on-one sword fight at the end that, like, isn't mine swords. It's just regular swords, but it's also kind of boring. Yeah, exactly. I can't believe this movie starts out with Statham with a boomerang, by the way. That's something we don't see often, boomerangs in movies, and I think it needs to be used more often. Yeah, I like it. I, I like him in, like, I like things about this. Like, I like him and Ron Perlman together. Like, I think they kind of, like, it's a weird combo, but I think it kind of works. Yeah, because it, it's, like, kind of, like, I like Ron Perlman's character, too. He's, like, yeah. an old guy that, like, always kind of wanted to be a knight but couldn't type situation. So, like, it's his last hurrah and, like, last chance to, like, die in battle. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like, instead of, like, you know, I'm two days away from retirement and he gets killed against his will, it's like, no, I want to have, like, I want, you know, I want one more great battle, right? So, like, it's a cool... Yeah similar sort of thing my other real note that i took is at the end of the movie we talked about the last line in cook thief wife lover where it's like kind of a cool in helmir and says that the movie ends this one do you remember what do you remember how this movie ends no so at the end statham kills leota and when he does all the krug die too because he's been like mind controlling them yes, so it's yes, kind yes, of just yes. like in matrix revolutions not the new one but the third one from a while ago when neo like sacrifices himself all the machines die because it's just like, oh, like the war is over. Not the machines don't die, but they, they just leave. It's just like, oh, the battle's over. Like we didn't do anything, but like the battle's over because of something else somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So here it's just like, oh, we killed Ray Liotta. The Krug die. I guess we won. So then he's with his wife and they're like sort of dancing, sort of like holding each other. And he goes, there's some, this is literally the last line of the movie. There's something I've always wanted to tell you. Oh, my God. Yes, I remember now. Go ahead. I love you. Yeah, because I looked at Rachel and go, what the fuck? They were married. They had yeah. a child. And it's not like it's a joke from earlier. No. Where, like, that's a running bit. It's just like, hey, you know, I got something I always want to tell you. Like, it feels like the kind of moment where she's like, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant or whatever. Like, it's like it feels like that kind of like, again, not yeah. that that's better, but it feels like that kind of moment. And he just goes, there's something I've always wanted to tell you. I love you. Yeah, cool. Thanks, yeah. bud. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I can't believe you never said this before. Like, they seemed like they were in a good relationship. It wasn't like it was, like, torn or, like, weird. You know what I mean? So. No, they seem, like, wildly in love. Like, it seems like a great yeah. relationship. Yeah, he, like, it spends the whole movie trying to, like, get her back, whether she's the queen or not. You know? Like. Yeah. This movie is not streaming for free anywhere. I cannot recommend that you pay it, pay to see it. But I think like Redline, the one that Alex made us watch, not the animated one, but the bad one, the quote-unquote bad one, I'm glad that we watched it because I think the story of the filmmaker, remember, because that one was just like, what is this guy uh, yep. on? Yeah. This is just like, oh, okay, like people need to know about Uwe Boll. People don't need to see his movies. But I think knowing about him and knowing that like this guy exists and he's like synonymous with like bad movies that are critical and commercial failures. <laughs> and great restaurants. Yeah, and, like, I think the biggest <laughs> sin this movie makes is, like, it, it wastes Statham. Like, he's, like, a great performer and a great action guy, and, like, there's nothing here. Statham is the only one that seems, like, I can't tell if it's his character or or him, but he's the only one that seems skeptical of the movie. Yeah. 
his character seems kind of skeptical, but like he also seems like he's in the movie going like, I don't think this is going to turn out too good. Like just like looking around. And you know, it's that, it's that exact disposition that winds up making him king of all kings, right? So yeah. yeah. And he's awesome. Joe, do you want to watch the trailer for this film? I think it's time to watch the trailer for this movie. So this trailer posted by Uwe Boll Raw. I don't know if this is his account or a fan <laughs> account. This channel is everything Uwe Boll from movie trailers to political commentaries. Having financed, produced, and directed over 35 feature films, Uwe's body of work has continuously proven to be as controversial as it is diversely creative. This is Uwe Boll Raw. I, I don't know if I want to know his political takes. I would guess it's... I don't think it's... I don't know. I don't think he'd be, like, alt-right. I think he would just be, like, he's not on the spectrum. He's somewhere else entirely. He's just, like, we should disband the government or something. He's like, man, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, that that makes sense. Like, we, we should solve all all conflict by boxing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm I mean, ready whatever you are. He's not wrong. That would be a great society to live in, just box your way out of everything, right? So. No, yeah, if you're the if you're the rock, sure. If you're Uwe Boll. Yeah, like, not if you're me. Right. Like. Uh, okay. So this is posted by Uwe Boll Raw in the name of the King official trailer. 700,000 views. Three, two, one, play. I put it in theater mode because I want to get the full viewing of this. Yeah. I love, yeah, that it's, uh does not take up the full screen. It's widescreen in a bigger widescreen. Yes. Our entire scouting party. I believe it was Galleon. He has fallen into madness. Like, I like Ray Liotta in things, but, like, seeing Ray Liotta in a movie recently, it's just like, this is probably not going to be good. Yeah. I like Ray Liotta, too. When it started with him, I was like, oh, God. They make this movie seem like it should be Lord of the Ringsy. Yeah, I think that's what they're going for. Also, like, Lily Sobieski, I think maybe just, like, the the type of character, the way that, like, her makeup is, like, reminded me of Kristen Stewart. I'm like, that would have been better. Which one is she? The tree elf? The tree fairy? No, she's the, the one... The princess daughter. Yes. Okay. King called upon you to face death. Tonight we dress our wounds. That was a pretty badass speech, to be honest. Jason Statham killed it right there. Yeah, like, this is a good trailer. Yeah, it looks. This movie looks like it would actually be a lot of fun. And people are like, oh my god, I love those games. Oh, it's got a four on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe we're not going to go see that movie. Yeah. There is when Burt Reynolds dies in that scene. I don't know if this is a thing that he wrote or not, but it reminded me of the Uncle Kamada quote, where he's like, you know, for want of a hammer, the nail yeah. was lost or whatever. One of the nail, blah blah blah. Yeah, when he like talks about like the 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 seaweed coming into the farmland. That thing. yeah. It says, wisdom is our hammer, prudence will be our nail. When men build lives from honest toil, toil, courage never fails. It's like, okay. And, like, I Googled that. I wanted, I wanted to, like, get that quote oh. so I could write it down. And it's just, like, it, it links you to, like, people's, like, Facebook posts that have no oh. likes that people just, like, post because their status just, like, that quote, like, from Dungeon Seed. Just, like, okay. That's also the same thing that um, Zeph says to Farmer. Like, they have that moment in the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah, because yeah, he's like, how do you know that? It's just like, uh, you know, my, my father used to say it. Or like, it's like, what? Yeah. You, you guys don't know each other. How do, how, what? Yeah. Letterbox game. 
Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterboxd, went up since last night when we did Cook Thief, Wife Lover. Did it a million already? No, 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 no. 993, though. We're getting very close. Maybe by the time we do the next pit stop. Okay. 993,000 people. In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale from 2007, directed by Uwe Boll, starring Jason Statham, Ray Liotta, and Lili Sobieski, has been seen by how many people? It can't be that many based on the... Well, maybe there's a revival. I don't know. I I gotta go low, like 10,000. I'll start there. You're very, very, very close. It is 11, 118. 1, 1, 1, 1, 8. Makes sense. Joe, out of those 11,000, how many have it in their top four? Average rating of 1.5, like I said, most common a 1, then a half, then a 2, then a 1.5 for an average of 1.5. How many have it in their top four? I think maybe three, and that's because they love Uwe Boll, and the the rest of their movies are going to be Uwe Boll movies. Your thinking is spot on, but your number is too high. Okay, two. Still too high. One. Uwe Boll fanboy 04. Okay. Bio is Uwe Boll's biggest fan since 2004. I love him, and his movies are Far Cry, Rampage, House of the Dead, and In the Name of the King. I'm like, we can't play these. Yep. You don't know these movies exist. Exactly. So I found two people who gave this five stars. Okay. So I want you to pick a number, one or two. Actually, let me see if these are... That's doable. I don't remember this other guy... Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do the first one because the second guy Shane from Queensland, Australia, has doesn't have it in his top four, but he has Mad Max and Inception in his top four, which is just like oh, two of the biggest movies of all time. Got it. Okay. Okay. But we're gonna go to Petatron, P E T A space T R O N, Petatron at Petatron on Letterboxd. Fuck me, this movie is so bad, it's amazing. What if the usual trash okay. I watched had a budget and a cast that should be able to act better, but somehow can't? Fuck. It's just fantastic. Steven has a boomerang for some reason. Yep. Lillard is so over the top, it's just brilliant. Fuck, everyone is so over the top. <laughs> Except for Jonathan Reese davies He just seems at home. Ha! Is it too early to call to say that this is the best movie I might see all year? It's so Maybe. bad, it's art. She watched it a year ago, January 13th, 2021. Five stars. Perfect. Almost exactly a year ago. Perfect. Also in Australia. Petatron also in Australia. So Australians love, ironically, love this movie. So, again... Not in her top four, because she's not Uwe Boll, superfan, 04, yeah. whatever. But in her top four are four movies from the 90s and 2000s. I would say, it's hard to say. One is objectively bad that she probably likes ironically. The other three, I think, are probably good. I think would be considered good. Two, maybe three of them are horror, and one is an action thriller. Uh, her number one is very in the news right now. Very in the news right now. Is it The Matrix? No, but... Scream. Scream. Scream is number one. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. favorite movie is Scream. Yep. Number four, though, her number four movie is very close to your other guess for a specific reason. Uh, it's very close to The Matrix. Yep. Uh, is it another Wachowski's movies? Is it like Speed Racer? Nope. Uh, the, uh, similar for a different reason. S- similar... But for so, does it have Keanu in it? It sure does. Is it John Wick? No, too. That's too new. This is older than that. Keanu movie, Bill and Ted. Nope, newer than that. Action movie, action or horror. Are her top four. This is an action film, though. Ah, uh, Speed. Speed number four. Speed. Okay, so cool. you actually you said Speed Racer, so you should have just stopped after one word. Ah uh, ha 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 ha. It's got two more movies. They're both horror. One. They're both actually from the two thousands. One from two thousand eight, and one from two thousand one. One of them. 
they're both, I guess, technically in franchises. One is the 10th in a franchise and like maybe the worst in that franchise. And then the other one is kind of sort of the start of a franchise that's not really a franchise. Um, Halloween H2O? No, the other one. Halloween nope, Resurrection? No, I mean the other one. The other, the other one. The other thing. So Friday the 13th, 10? Yeah. You know what that's called? No, I don't. What is it? Jason X. Jason, Jason X. Yes, 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 yes. That's right. And that's the space one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Okay. Yeah, okay. And then the other one from 2008 is kind of sort of the start of a at least trilogy, sort of, but again, not really noteworthy for specific technique it used, which I'm being vague and weird on purpose. Probably had one of the most, if this came out in the Twitter era, this would have, quote, like, broke the internet. Like, it had, like, the buzziest <sighs> trailer and the buzziest, like, marketing of, I think, maybe any movie ever. Oh, that's weird. Uh, Blair Witch Project? No, but, you know, it's visually very similar. Visually similar to the Blair... Was it Cloverfield? Cloverfield, yeah. Damn, okay. I did pretty good today. Scream, Jason X, Cloverfield, and Speed from Petatron, who loves, ironically, In the Name of the King. Um, did I ever tell you my Cloverfield story that I watched Cloverfield on a plane to Japan and the movie's about a guy named Joe going to Japan and then the world breaks down? Oh, well, that's uh, troubling. It was just like such a weird coincidence. I was like, oh, I heard this movie's pretty good. I'll watch this one. And it was like, Joe, it's your final day here before you leave for Japan. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then it's like the world ends. <laughs> Fuck. Oops. Yeah. Whoops. Bad pick. Well, good pick to Justin. Thank you, Justin, for picking us for Thank supporting you. us on Patreon. Honestly. I hope I hope that we did not trash all your favorite movie. I don't think you probably like this genuinely. I hope that no, we're I able think to... there's there was definitely some good in here, and there's definitely some fun in here. It's just like I don't think anybody's like, wow, that is film, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're right. The the juxtaposition between watching the chef, the wife, the lover, whatever last night, and this today was was wide yeah like i was saying last night on that episode the patreon bonus episode that like i normally don't want to watch two movies before that i'm gonna podcast about before i talk about one of them but again there's nothing i would confuse where it's like what movie had uh the orcs in it like i don't remember which movie i'm talking about because like there's almost like it could not be more different right (laughs) yeah very very different So, Joe, next week we got Tokyo Drift, but after that, we have a movie, another Stava movie. There's another patron pick. This is Jake Freer's patron pick in two weeks. A movie I saw in theaters that I need to see again, because Winona is in it, so they covered it for Winona forever already on the network, but we're going to guess? What are we going to say? Do you start to say No, I have no idea. I'm saying, and you need to watch it again. Okay, what is it? It's a movie in which James Franco plays a character named Gator. It's a movie called Homefront. So Franco and Statham are in the same movie? Yep. And, and Winona. Winona? Yep. Wow. It's on okay. Netflix I'm if you want to watch it. Yep. Cool. Frank Grillo also in it. Action star, new action star Frank Grillo. Kate Bosworth's in it. Clancy Brown's in it. So there's a lot of names. Came out in 2013. I saw this in theaters. I'm excited. I've never heard of it. Um, and you know that that's a lineup that I like. So I'm excited. Yeah, I was like, I think I think my, 
part of my issue is like I'm like, oh, a new state. Like this is when I like sort of dis- quote unquote discovered Statham. I'm like, this guy is awesome. And then I'm like, Franco as Gator, that's great. And I was sort of like, but then when Winona Forever did it, they're like, we really like this movie. I was like, maybe it was wrong. So like, because I, I didn't love this movie when I saw it in theaters, but I'm looking forward to seeing it again because Lindsay and Rekka on Winona really liked it, especially for her performance. So. I don't think I knew who she really was when I saw this in theaters. Like, I knew who she was, but, like, I didn't yeah. really, you know what I mean? So Yeah, you weren't a huge fan. I get yeah. it. So, Tokyo Drift and then Homefront, if you want to watch that along with us, it's on Netflix. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. we got to have other things to read other than these YouTube, com- YouTube comments, but, you yes. know. Email us, please, and thank you. Check out our Patreon page at TooFast2Forever.com and our store at TooFast2Forever.shop and come back next week for the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift wherein Jason Statham maybe kills Han even though he's not in that movie and Han doesn't actually die. But, you know, it's what happened for a couple of years at least, right? So Yeah, that's part of the story. Aye, aye, aye. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you 